Welcome back to the FreightWaves Autonomous and Electric Vehicle Summit. This is Alan Adler, the Detroit Bureau Chief for FreightWaves. I'm uh, joined by Alex Rodriguez, the uh, CEO of Embark Trucks. Embark is a, a little special in this space in that they were the very first company to actually do an autonomous drive, uh, both across the country and autonomous freight deliveries it's, uh, in the last decade, really. wasn't uh, was a, a little while ago now, but uh, we're, we're thrilled to have Alex here this afternoon because Embark has been making a lot of news lately uh, in the autonomous space and uh, also uh, just a great opportunity to get some perspective uh, from another of the leaders in the uh, autonomous vehicle space. So, Alex, welcome to FreightWaves. Thanks for having me, Alan. Good to see you today. We, uh, we're we pr- pretty excited. I, I mean, I think I mentioned, you know, you were the first to demonstrate monitored long-haul driving. And, and how important to you is it to be the first or in the vanguard of, of reaching complete driver out capability. Yeah, I think when we, there are really two different milestones that, that we think about, right? Um, I think on, on the one hand, there's a question of how important is it to be first to have this commercially operating on public roads? Uh, and uh, I think while you don't have to be the absolute first, uh, it's very important to be in that first group, right? And to be within sort of a couple of years uh, where all these companies are getting things figured out. I do think that's really important because that's the same period where everybody's figuring out uh, carriers and fleets are figuring out what partners they want to work with. OEMs are figuring out what partners they want to work with. Uh, the ability to build out the network starts to to get layered in. And so I, I do think it's re- pretty important uh, to be sort of one, one of the first in terms of bringing this commercially to market for for our customers. I think sort of the second frame of looking at it um, is how important is it to be first to actually work on this problem on public roads? And that's obviously something that while the the commercialization is coming in the next handful of years, uh, Embark has been doing this now for five years. Uh, and I think that experience ends up being really, really important as the longest running program on U.S. roads, uh, because trucking is a very different problem with a, a, its own unique set of challenges to really build something great. Uh, and it just takes some time uh, to really build each of those pieces uh, and get the experience of running it on on real highways. Yeah. So on the commercialization side, to take that one first, uh, you you suggested uh, very recently that 2024 would be, uh, uh, you know, kind of uh, putting uh, fleets in the vehicles. Uh, you said that you'll take the driver out potentially in 2023. So that would put you clearly in the in the mix, as you as you call it, in terms of being among the first. Um, the the uh, the idea of putting uh, fleets in the uh, in, in the truck, though, will, will that be? Will you train them for to have safety drivers, or, or how will that work? Yeah. So when we're talking about uh, so embark, just to sort of set the the stage, embark really has a bit of a unique business model where we're a software business. Um, and we focus on partnering with some of the leading fleets in the United States who are ultimately owning and operating the truck. And so when we talk about in 2024, our uh, fleet partners operating these trucks inside their fleet, that's happening in a driverless context. So the, the Embark is rolling out uh, by 2024, our technology across the US Sunbelt. Uh, and, and we aim to have our carrier partners. We're working with them to make sure that they're running the trucks commercially uh, in that time frame. So and, no yeah, safety drivers. No safety drivers. Yeah, I'm sorry. So no, no yeah, safety drivers. Right. All right. So so we're we're talking driver out. That's okay. Right. So and that and that of course is something that one of your competitors, Too Simple, says they want to pilot here in the fourth quarter. Um, but but it, it 
you've been at this a while now. You feel like you'll be ready for that. You've finished all of the all of the uh, system work, I guess, to to allow you to to be ready. Yeah, I think uh, the the key thing to to keep in mind is really focusing on uh, building a truly commercial product, and that's what Embark has done since the beginning. We're not here to do tech demos. We're here to build a, a product that fleets can actually use to move a meaningful amount of freight. Uh, and so I do think there's a pretty sort of meaningful distinction uh, about, you know, people will do different different demos. And I think those are obviously important uh, proof points. But ultimately, Embark's focus is really on building a holistic product from driver to uh, remote monitoring and dispatch that our carrier partners can actually uh, use to move freight at scale. One of the things that differentiates uh, Embark from others is this universal interface that you uh talked about recently, that is you have a system that you believe is, uh, I call it plug and play, that it can basically, uh, you know, bolt on, if you will, to to any of the four major manufacturers. What kind of um, kind of advantage does that give Embark? Yeah, I think one of the things when we look at the ecosystem, uh, we see our customer and our partner as being some of those large carriers. Uh, and that really being the the player, we want to make sure we bring a product that's really compelling to. And so if you start there, you think about how do we build something that's really compelling for our partners? One of the pieces that ends up being really important is being able to be compatible with the manufacturers that they care about, right? I kind of talk about this as contrasting a, a Cummins engine with uh, an engine that might be a captive engine for one of the OEMs. And so being able to have that direct relationship with the uh, with the fleet, and then being able to work with the fleet so that they actually have, you know, a person to call at Embark that when they are managing and dispatching the vehicles, it's the same dispatch system that happens across the different OEMs that they work with. And I think that ends up being really important uh, as a value proposition for us to really be a partner with the fleet as opposed to uh, sort of a, a supplier based on a single OEM. And delivering that is a lot of work. It's, it's uh, you know, sounds simple when you say plug and play, but it's it's pretty complicated to make make work at the end of the day. Um, Embark's already taken many of the big steps to make that happen. We demonstrated pilot trucks uh, that has the same system in terms of sensor module and compute module running across all the major OEMs. Um, and there's still significant work ahead of us as we look to uh, work with our carrier partners and ultimately make sure that that sensor module, that compute module is going to be available uh, and can leverage that compatibility across the different uh, redundant drive-by-wire platforms that are coming into market. Um, and each OEM obviously has a little bit of a different strategy, a little bit of a different timing. Uh, and so all, all of that sequencing is something that uh, we're obviously spending a lot of time with our partners making sure uh, can be available. Sure, sure. Well, okay, so let's talk about some partners. I mean, Ignite Swift was missing from the autonomous trucking landscape until your announcement recently of, of your participation, of their participation in the uh, in the pipe uh, portion of your SPAC. Uh, how important is it to have one of, if not the largest fleet in your camp? Yeah, I think um, we're really excited to have Knight Swift as an anchor investor in our latest round of funding. I think it's a, a huge vote of confidence, obviously, from uh, somebody that we have uh, a huge amount of respect for, both because they're a large fleet, but also because they're a very sophisticated fleet with sort of industry-leading uh, technology program and and a real uh, they're a little bit of a, a hard nut to crack, but once you convince them uh, that something is is going to be valuable, I think that uh, speaks volumes. And so, um, I, I certainly see the big uh, fleets being a big part of Embark's story. Knight Swift being being one of those folks. Um, 
but also Warner Enterprises, Bison Transport, Messia Valley, all of whom uh, work with Embark today. And when we look at the business model of partnering with big fleets, uh, we see that as being uh, a real advantage compared to uh, other folks who are, are trying to sort of be their own fleet or be their own manufacturer. Right. We, we won't name any names, Alex. We'll, we'll move on from there, but we, we know what you're talking about, right? Uh, <laughs> your, uh, your, your agreement to go public uh, via SPAC is in line with some, some of what your competitors are doing. Plus has one pending, and of course, Too Simple went through the uh, IPO process. How did these other moves influence the timing of your decision? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, as, as you mentioned, Embark recently announced a, a SPAC transaction values the company a little over $5 billion uh, that we're super excited about. We think this is uh, a great transaction that gives us all the funding to be able to execute that full plan from here to 2024. Um, and so that's something that's really exciting to, to us to be able to have the full war chest. Um, we really didn't do this based on uh, competitors. Uh, if you look at the amount of time, you know how long it takes to actually execute one of these. You'll know that we were uh, sort of already making sure to lay the groundwork and consider this option well before uh, there were any kind of announcements, because ultimately there's a little bit of a, a execution delay here. And so um, our motivation was really we believe there is a unique opportunity to fully fund the business through to commercialization. Uh, we found a spectacular partner uh, who has a history of really highly successful SPAC transactions in the, the Northern Genesis team. Uh, and we believe that this is uh, a great way to demonstrate the uh, long-term scalability and credibility of Embark, show that we're not going anywhere uh, to the, the universe of partners that we're working with. So obviously there's a cash infusion that we know about that, uh, assuming that the business com accommodation is completed. But uh, what kind of considerations, you know, went into the decision to go now? Because SPACing, uh, I guess I can say that, SPACing is a quicker way to get public than an IPO. Um, it it's, can go very, very quickly. It can go in a couple quarters. It really depends. Uh, as you know, the SEC has been much been adding much more scrutiny to SPACs recently. Um, so maybe it stretches that out a little bit, but we're still talking about a pretty quick path to public ownership here. Um, what, what considerations went into the decision to do it now? Yeah, I think the big motivating factor for us really came from the business first. And when we look at how the business has progressed steadily over the last five years, uh, Embark really uh, has invested deeply in the technology. Uh, and recently hit some key technical milestones as we think about our ability to consistently operate even uh, in areas where there are construction, even on roads that are changing. Uh, we really started to look uh, to the future of what does this mean as a commercial product? And so you've seen some of the announcements around that about sort of the pilot trucks for Embarking Universal Interface, uh, the launch of our partner development program with names like uh, AB InBev uh, and HP, as well as some of the, the fleets that we just mentioned. Uh, and so all those pieces starting to come together at the beginning of this year uh, for Embark. Uh, now we're looking not just at technology, but how do we take that technology that we've developed that we think is is the leading technology franchise in the space and really bring it to market for our carrier partners. And as soon as we started to think about that, um, it became clear that, you know, we needed to scale the company up in a significant way uh, and that this was going to be a good opportunity. I think if you go back to, you know, a year and a half ago, it wasn't clear that public markets were going to be excited about growth stories like Embark. Uh, and I think once we started to see that there was that appetite, 
uh, we were really excited um, to be able to bring in uh, a group of investors that uh, are really in Embark as a commercialization story instead of as a technology story. Yeah, I guess you could compare it to the housing market, couldn't you? I mean, it's a great time to sell a house right now, <laughs> but uh, but obviously a great time to, to uh, uh, scale a business too. Um, I, I am curious about a question I've asked a, a number of our uh, of our summit guests. I want to ask you this too, and that is, how do you see the landscape of autonomous trucking five years from now? For example, um, will we see widespread use of driver out technology? Uh, will we see as many players as we do today? Uh, some of those things. Maybe you could talk about that. Yeah. So I, I would say a couple of things if we look at Embark's roadmap. Uh, the five-year timeline you're talking about here takes us to 2026. Uh, and so on Embark's roadmap between here and there, we, we look at 2024 as operating in the U.S. Sunbelt commercially with our carrier partners. Uh, and so you're starting to see uh, meaningful scale of this actually sort of being deployed, being available uh, to customers. And then 2026 uh, is our target to actually be across the United States. Uh, and so expanding that to actually cover uh, all, all of the lower 48. Uh, and I think what you'll see is this isn't going to be everywhere all the time, right? That's an important caveat. Uh, part of what makes this work really well is that we're focused on uh, running sort of between cities and then transferring the load back to local drivers to do that first and last mile. One more reason why uh, we think partnering with leading carriers is, is incredibly useful because there's still a lot of drivers involved in making this work really well. There's still a lot of operations involved. Um, that said, I think you'll start to see it happening at a meaningful scale across the country. Um, and while the number of players uh, might not look, there won't be as many players in my view, probably, as there are today. There's lots of small uh, people that are interested in the problem in one form or another. Uh, but I think the, the good quality companies will continue to be successful uh, as this technology comes to market. Yeah. Um, just to be clear, you don't plan then to uh, extend the surface streets, your idea is to sort of ramp to ramp and, and then let uh, uh, human drivers take over. Is, that, is my reading that right? So I'll add a little nuance here. I do think this is a, a, a place where people say the different things different ways. Um, but I really think uh, we divide into three categories. You have, you have limited access highways, you have rural driving, and you have urban driving. And it's the same set of categories that the federal government uses when they think about uh, categorization of roads. Um, an Embark system is focused on highways and rural driving. So we don't do urban driving. We're not going to drive in downtown San Francisco. Um, but we are driving with a, a vehicle that's able to operate from, for example, a truck stop near the highway and make its way onto the highway with that trailer it just picked up, drive and drop it off at, for example, a depot or a distribution center uh, that's located uh, in, in Embark's operating domain sort of within our coverage map. So you would you would call that 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 would be the rural part of it then uh, in terms of you know just getting that to the depot kind of thing but but again you're that's not... right you definitely need to do surface streets right yeah. ultimately but there's a huge difference between doing surface streets to get to a distribution center in uh, you know east of Oakland versus a to get to San Safeway downtown San Francisco sure got it got a good way to put it too um, yeah I think it's important you, you mentioned something that when you referenced the Federal Highway uh, Administration there and their classifications. You know, Embark has been active with regulators in keeping them informed of your progress and obviously speaking to the whole autonomous trucking space. Does that give you a seat at the table as what I think are going to be inevitable federal regulations are 
are established? Yeah, policy is critically important in this industry. I think it's an area that Embark has been pretty unique in, in investing in very early on. Uh, one of our first 10 or 15 hires was our head of policy, Johnny Morris, who's spectacular uh, and has been leading up this effort, uh, really coordinating the self-driving truck policy efforts for the last few years. Um, and then obviously recently, actually alongside the SPAC announcement, Embark announced uh, that former Secretary of Transportation Elaine Chow was joining Embark's board of directors. So we're uh, really excited to be working with the number one uh, policymaker for transportation in the last four years. And uh, I think over the last four years, we've seen a lot of really great developments, which is one of the reasons we're really excited about working with the secretary. Um, you saw AB 3.0, AB 4.0, and the federal government has done a lot of work to make sure that uh, make sure that this technology is going to be successful in America. I, I will add, though, um, one area where I think it's really important that we're building those relationships at the federal level, but also at the state level with those state level DOTs is when things inevitably go wrong, when when the DOT sees uh, a need to to crack down in one way or another, it's really important to have those relationships uh, so that people have known you for a long time and you're not showing up uh, sort of at the very last minute saying, hey, I, you know, I want I want this policy change or, hey, you guys need to trust us. We're trying to bring regulars along with us the whole time. So we've been countless times out to meet with the DOTs in the states we operate, uh, let them ride in the truck, let them see what's going on. Uh, and that trust uh, of believing we're a responsible player to operate on American roads. Yeah. Well, Alex, I got to tell you, it, it, it's pretty exciting what's going on over there. It didn't seem like we heard a ton from Embark for a while, but uh, boy, that's certainly changed recently. And I suspect we're going to keep hearing some some things from you uh, going forward. So thank you so much for being part of the uh, Autonomous and Electric Vehicle Summit here. And, and uh, thanks again for joining us. Thanks for having me, Alan.